Ano mai, Heidi mai, ki tēnei hōtaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Clearly, I'm not Wallace Chapman. I am in for him. I'm Susanna Layatawa. Wallace is having a great day out with Wallace Jr. today. Three personalities and how many party priorities in the mix? Coalition talks are likely to continue over the weekend just after four on the panel will come back to that topic. Tackling loneliness is now a top priority for the World Health Organisation. What can we do about it? And how lonely is life in Aotearoa? Do you experience loneliness? Get in touch, 2101, or emails the panel at rnz.co.nz. StatsNZ is reporting record migration loss. What would make you leave? What would make you move overseas? Plus a staggering 20% rise in the number of women playing, coaching and refereeing rugby in New Zealand in the past year. That's since 2022. And in just over a week, the Auckland Santa Parade will celebrate 90 years. Are you going to a Santa Parade this year? Are you organising a parade for Santa's visit? Let us know what you've got planned. Text me at 2101, emails the panel, all one word, at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, Claire Amos. Kia ora, Claire. Kia ora. Principal of Albany Senior High School in the studio with me here in Tamaki Makoto, And in Wellington, Ian Powell. Kia ora, Ian. Kia ora, and kia ora, Claire. Health commentator, editor of two blogs, Otaihanga Second Opinion and Political Bites, former executive director of Association of Salaried Medical Speci- Specialists. Woo, kia ora kōrua. great to have you both on the panel today. Experienced panellists. Well, it's Friday afternoon. Time to dig around in our mailbag, which has been bulging this week. Uh, just choosing three of the topics, maybe four, we'll see if we've got time. CE of the New Zealand Property Council, Leonie Freeman, was a panellist earlier in the week, talked about the awesome level of care in hospital despite the challenges faced by staff. This really got you going. Your responses were extraordinary. Absolutely agree, said one texter, with your panellist about our health system. My daughter was born prematurely and would not have survived without the incredible doctors, nurses and support staff at Wellington Hospital. Parents with premies in the US pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for the level of care we got. We are so lucky in New Zealand. And another texter, I agree with Leonie. Husband has just gone through the health system in Christchurch, Brilliant health care. Stop slagging off public health. It's the waiting lists that are the problem. Ian, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I actually, uh, just in the sort of, just about the time that the first lockdown occurred, maybe in the very early days of it, uh, quite separately, uh, two friends uh, went and re- required acute emissions for procedures, operations, and um, and both their 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 partners and themselves were just um, full of praise for the care and dedication and commitment that they got. Uh, but there is a risk in this, and that is that the more that the system gets eroded, particularly through staffing shortages, uh, the risk of errors in systems increases and the risk of uh, clinical error as well increases because of the force of those circumstances. And the other issue that comes into play too is that the more that we rely on temporary appointments, particularly with specialists, uh, known as locums, the more we break up the continuity of care for patients. And that's something that goes to the quality. If you, if you disrupt the continuity of care, uh, you, make it, you compromise the ability somewhat to provide safe quality care. 
Can we just look at, I mean, obviously we've got other things from the mailbag, but wait lists, Claire, your thoughts, your experience of the wait lists with our health system. I, I mean, I, I've been lucky that it hasn't impacted myself or my family um, directly, but I have certainly seen the impact as a school leader in, in terms of supporting young people who are trying to engage with support. And, and, and the time that we're waiting is greater and the access to the specialists that we need is getting harder and harder, absolutely. OK, we're going to jump to our next topic. Queensland is offering the option of school flexibility oh, that will include a four-day school week for <laughs> secondary school students from Term 1 next year. Ian, hope you don't mind if we go to Claire first. I'm relieved. Yeah. <laughs> Where no, you go? I'm, I'm absolutely passionate about this topic. So um, as a senior <coughs> secondary school, we have had young people out every Wednesday in and out of school on impact projects, working with stakeholders, community, industry, business partners, I'm a firm believer, believer in the concept of leaving to learn. I think our young people, particularly in their senior years at high school, should actually be enabled and supported to have one foot in school, one foot out of school, whether it's in the tertiary space, in community groups and in business, and learning how to manage themselves. I would love something like this to be rolled out here in New Zealand. We already do parts of it. Some people think we're a bit bonkers doing even what we do. I love seeing this being legitimised and actually becoming a talking point because of these moves that Queensland is taking. I think it's really exciting. We've had one texter, no <laughs> to a four-day school week. Our kids are already behind international standards oh. in reading, writing and math, so we don't need any more dumbing down. It was and Learning does not stop. My big bugbear is people think that their face-to-face traditional modes and me- mechanisms for teaching and learning is the only way to learn. Our young people become literate and numerous in a number of ways. And if they're out there doing internships, they're out there working alongside an industry specialist, connecting with experts in tertiary spaces, they might be levelling up. This might be accelerating their learning. We need to think differently. This is not kids just sleeping in. This is kids getting rich learning beyond the school walls. Ian, this next one's for you. Thank you, Claire. (laughs) Do you talk to strangers? This was a question earlier in the week, and that topic it came up Wallace doesn't like it I'm not I don't have a problem with it it really just depends what I'm up to whether or not I've got any kind of capacity when I'm out and about but many of you do a man pushed in front of me says uh, Ruth uh, in a theatre ticket queue but the delightful ticket seller said just one moment I'm serving this lady first said the texter I turned to him and I said see I'm not invisible to some people we went to the movie together and have been married for five years now (laughs) Ruth and James, how about you, Ian? Um, have I pushed in or been pushed in in the theatre line? Well, I know, it's a good <laughs> no, question. No, let's get back to talking to strangers. But, you know, it's interesting when and how it happens, isn't it? Oh, well, uh, yeah, I... Um, I uh, we have uh, a growing number of dogs. I don't mean in size, in numbers. And um, up to three, um, but I'm running with the risk of losing count. Uh but uh, walk, I walk them along a lot on the beach uh, and in some parks and that, and inevitably you come across uh, people you haven't met who are also walking their dogs. And it's just amazing, really, how dogs can actually lead to conversations between, train, between um, strangers that is not simply about dogs. Mm. I love that. Is there a time that you would talk to strangers without the dogs, or do you need the dogs? <laughs> well, I don't think the dogs are my sort of support people, uh, although others might disagree. Uh, I um, No, you don't need that. I mean, just 
just even walking the beach on your own, in fact, is uh, you can you get into conversations. Uh, sometimes it's just interesting because uh, you know it takes two to tango, so to speak. But you can actually quite have some through incidental contact some quite interesting conversations from people you might not otherwise come across. Do you? How about you, Claire? Do you oh, say I'm, hello? I'm a terrible queue chatter. If you're stuck in a queue next to me, we're going to have a conversation. It's going to happen. But um, what I've learned over time is I've often thought one of my superpowers is connecting people. And more often than not, I will have a conversation and I will suddenly discover something about a person that I can then connect them back with a student or something at school or whatever. And I I think it's actually talking with strangers that opens up avenues to connections um, that you wouldn't otherwise get. Absolutely love it. Yeah, my, my children sometimes disagree. My, my teenage grown-up daughters sometimes cringe going out in public with me because I will natter to anyone and everyone. We've just had a text in. I absolutely agree with your guest. This is you, Claire. Excellent idea, and no, our kids are not behind. International standards are not the be-all and end-all, and we are not comparing apples with apples. Mm. Kiwi kids are creative and innovative. Thanks, Chris. Okay, cookbooks of old was a subject earlier this week, especially the subject of eating brains. And a few of our listeners really were keen to share their experiences, especially with sheep's brains as children. Here's an example. Uh, James and, oh, here we go. It's nothing. I was an eight-year-old. I watched my grandparents slaughter two young sheep, cook the sheep's brains for lunch. Another texter, as a little boy, after watching a sheep being killed, carrying the brains in my hand, back to the farmhouse for morning tea. Normal, abnormal, Claire. Have you had any sheep's brain experience yeah, maybe, yourself? Maybe the morning tea thing was a bit of an unexpected twist in that story, you know. But it's um, early in the off, day, isn't is, it? Offal is good meat. Often, like all of those bits and pieces. I've got a husband that grew up in Mexico and Guadalajara, and la lingua tongue is a popular ingredient in tacos there. You know, so waste not, want not. Indeed, Ian. Are you vegan or vegetarian, perhaps? And no, I'm not I'm trying not ve- to offend anyone. <laughs> no, no, you're not offending me. I'm not vegan, and uh, although I'm not a vegetarian, I do like vegetarian uh, meals. Um, I've, to the best of my knowledge, not had sheep's brain, but I can't discount the possibility over a few decades. Might have slipped in there. I used to, uh, as a student, I had this book called The Student's Guide, I think, to Flatting or Cooking in Flats, um, and it had some very basic recipes. <clears throat> and I started off with mince meatloaf. And then I got imaginative. And then I, so I moved into sausage meatloaf. And then I got really imaginative. And then I moved into a combination of uh, mixing up meat and sausage into meatloaf. And so that was, that's kind of my culinary level of innovation. Claire and I are both impressed. Now we better get on to time for I've been thinking because I'm looking at the clock. Claire, where are you going? So, um, what I've been thinking about, funnily enough, this week is MMP. So, our recent elections and current coalition talks have made me think about the effectiveness of New Zealand's mixed member proportional MMP system and whether it actually supports the diverse representation um, that we might have hoped for and if the actual division of power and influence as a result of behind closed doors coalition agreements matches what the voters actually voted for. And it's led me to think about Australia and their election 
elections last year um, and their use of the alternative vote method for the House of Representatives and single transferable vote for um, Senate. It feels like their voting system potentially has some benefits and particularly the independent politicians that were voted in. And there's that kick-ass bunch of women, the six incredible women who came in under the umbrella or who have now been referred to as the teal independents. So a bunch of um, independent candidates who are passionate about the environment and political integrity who were backed by Climate 2000. And um, I'm really excited about what they might actually present in the opportunity opportunities they present for different diverse um, voices. And I wonder, where is a space here in New Zealand and within MMP for independent voices to come through? And also, I wonder about... with us watching, or rather not watching, um, Luxon. Who knows if we want to actually watch it. Anyway, but Luxon, Seymour and Peter's engaging in their talks behind closed doors. I I wonder if their actual apportioning of power and influence is a fair reflection on how we actually voted. Yes, the voters voted for National over Labour, but when you look at the power that Winston Peters is clearly wielding at this point in time, is that reflective? So there's a few things I'm sort of going, is it time to reassess? Do we need to go back to the drawing board or is MMP really the best system for us here? Welcoming your text on what Claire's asking, (laughs) but straight to you, Ian, what have you been thinking? Well, as Monty Python would say, now for something completely different. The, um, the misuse of words and terms, and particularly the term Luddites and Luddism as a, uh, an attack on people who are uh, anti-technology. And, um, and it's a misrepresentation because I've, I've got a love of history. And the Luddites were actually a very progressive force. They had influence in England, particularly in the north of England and the Midlands in the 1810s in the textile industry. And that was an industry that was changing from artisan ownership, self-employed, to mill ownership. Uh, it was a period of transition. Uh, on top of that, you had a combination, an act legislation called the Combination Act. And although the Britain was not a democracy at that time, there were certain constitutional rights like the, the, the right to combine to do things. And the, this act repealed that. And so there was no way for people to actually p- protest in any sort of legal way, in a combined way. Now, in the context of uh, people working for mill owners, uh, the only way that they could try and negotiate uh, improved conditions, including pay, was to actually uh, combine and smash the machinery, not for the artisans. So it was actually a very popular movement. Uh, it was regional rather than national, but it had I'm going to jump support. in there, Ian. Yeah. I'm going to jump in because we're coming to the pups, but let's pick this up after the news at four.